This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And this fucker is back. Oh man, I like lined that one up perfectly. That was that like overlapped yours, like ooh, syllable for syllable. I felt good about that one. You see how there's like an art to this? He's like, oh, I lined that one up perfectly. Uh huh. I had to. You with these strip club comments? They're real, bro. It's real stuff. It's real stuff. It's the little things, you know. Cannot play with them. Cannot win with them. Cannot go with them. Welcome to the Clock Dodgers Podcast. I'm your host, Neil. I'm feeling amazing over here. I got my reasons. With me today is Adam, who we expect to bring his A game after missing last week's show, thanks to the strip club. And we also have Josh here, who didn't miss last week's show because he puts his strip club visits on a schedule and he keeps them under control. What's up, guys? Guess who's Priorities. Back? Priorities. Back exactly. again. <laughs> I am back. Better podcasts. <laughs> That was horrible. That's okay. Uh, how's life, everybody? Josh, your throat feels better? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine, man. All right, Josh Doing is 100%. It. Adam, are you 100%? 100%. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I didn't check my HP before I sat down at the podcast, so, <laughs> so I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I, I think I'm all right. We're as close as to 100% as podcasters can be, right? Like they say in football, no one's over 100%. That's how we are, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's after week one. Yeah. We're all beat down. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad everybody's good. Me and Josh did this solo duel last week. We got Adam back. The full squad is in effect. We're here to we're here to bring the madness, man. But there's no other way to start this podcast than talking about the Raiders win on Monday Night Football. Am I right, fellas? No other way. We couldn't possibly miss it. Biggest storyline of the weekend. So. Of course it is. Of Don't want to bury the lead. I mean, I kind of feel like my yeah. Raiders became like underdogs to the world. They kind of I feel I felt like the world was rooting for them a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. You guys, I'm sure you guys are secretly and quietly rooting for my squad. I mean, I definitely was. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, Adam had money. That on was it. a rare occurrence. Yeah, and Josh, Josh happened to disappear. He disappeared for the entire night. Had nothing to say. He still actually hasn't said in any kind of chat we're in, Twitter, anything. He still hasn't really talked about anything the Raiders did. But that's cool because we're going to do Josh it now. Josh was in bed before kickoff. That's true. That's true. Those <laughs> late games those late games are brutal, man. Like It was like I 1 o'clock in the morning. I had to get an article here. out last night, and I got it out. So that was, that, that was all consuming for me. Look at Mr. Work over there. 
guys, unbelievable. This guy's a, just this guy's a natural out content. Natural Josh Jacobs over there, man. <laughs> really living up to that first name, man. I like it. They got you writing a weekly piece over there, Josh. A waiver piece, yeah. A waiver oh, piece. Oh, really? So, so that's, that's why awesome. you gotta. That's why you gotta crank it out early. Damn, Damn. you do. Damn right. Need, need to front load those plugs this time. So, it's awesome uh, when you like get it out and then you hear other people's takes the next day and you're like, oh, damn, I should have <laughs> <wrote> a- <laughs> That's awesome. So, Josh, where can people find this awesome waiver article? Playerprofiler.com. Not a Twitter, sponsor. Not course. a sponsor. We're waiting, Matt. Just hit us up. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's hilarious. Anyway, guys, I want you guys to talk about the Raiders before I talk about the Raiders. So, like, is there anything that you guys want to focus on here that you came away with? Okay, how about this? Adam, give me one takeaway from the Raiders game besides that you fucking won money on it. What is a takeaway that you were surprised by? (laughs) Uh, That is true. That is true. That was the best. That was the highlight. The highlight was me having to cheer for the Raiders to uh, win money in DFS. That's why DFS is beautiful. uh, It can even get you to cheer for the Raiders. But... The reason that I had Raiders in DFS and the reason that I like the Raiders moving forward is really just a consolidation of touches. I mean, in that offense, it really looks like it's going to be Josh Jacobs, Darren Waller, and Tyrell Williams moving forward. And those are the pieces worth investing in. And outside of that, there probably isn't too much worth investing in. And uh, in offenses where they have these really good concentration of touches they're super valuable um, because they're easily predictable and then they also give opportunity for upside because of the amount of volume that they're seeing so i think that moving forward those three guys i really feel like need to be must owned um they're guys who probably are going to be more matchup plays with the exception of jacobs but yeah moving forward i think that's kind of the most positive takeaway is that because of that uh, consolidation of touches that that offense is definitely worthwhile for fantasy yeah i think that's a big point that you make there that is true i didn't even think about the consolidation factor which if a b was there this would be a different story we'd be talking about but now on the other side i don't think josh agrees with you right josh well i don't i don't disagree with anything he said i'm surprised that tyrell on the how could you how dare this dude? What do you want me to disagree? This with? dude <laughs> hated so hard on Josh Jacobs and Tyrell Williams and all these guys, and then one night he's like, "I don't disagree with anything he just said." So you've been telling people forever, and now all of a sudden you don't disagree with Adam. I mean, what Adam said was that consolidated offenses are good. What about Josh Jacobs? It's hard Josh to Jacobs disagree good, with Josh? logic, Neil. I know that you're not. Josh. That doesn't work Adam, for you. Adam, stop right but now. But for most of us, it's hard to disagree Adam, with Adam, stop logic. right now. Josh, is Josh Jacobs good? I mean, I'm sure Latavius Murray as Raider oh. never had a good game, right? <laughs> that never happened. So he's not good. Man, right. look at him dodge that question like he's Neo. This is unbelievable. <laughs> is TJ he Yellen's good, Josh? probably never had a good game. Josh, is Josh Jacobs a good running back? We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. All right. Look, in, in redraft, sure. In redraft, he's he's a great running back to have. He I would mean, be starting for me. I don't I don't want to get on a huge side tangent, but honestly I feel like that is a weird 
hang-up that holds back a lot of people in fantasy is concentrating on who's good and bad. Because I think that there's so often that being a good player doesn't matter in the NFL if you get volume, at least for fantasy. How? Like there, How? there are so many people good, who we performed this week who I wouldn't consider good moving forward. Um, they're just players that got a lot of volume, and because of that, were able to thrive, and they could continue to thrive because they could continue to see that volume. But I don't think that necessarily makes them more talented than someone who were to see a similar amount of touches. Well, I mean, A, everybody said Josh Jacobs was bad, and they meant from every aspect, as if like he's not worthy even of his draft position in fantasy. That was what they were saying. And number two, if you're not a good player, I mean, eventually you're going to be replaced. So I guess, I mean, I kind of see what you're saying. I mean, especially in a case like Jacobs where he gets drafted early by the Raiders, so it's like you feel like they're going to have to force feed him at this point just to kind of, you know, prove themselves right. But, like, eventually... Carlos Hyde got touches. Yeah, but... But he's also... It doesn't matter how bad you are. That's not true, man. There's bad running backs. It mattered eventually. It matters eventually. Tell him, Josh. That's all I'm saying. How? How does it matter eventually when you're still on an NFL franchise, you're still getting touches, and you're still the number one back in that backfield? Not for Carlos Hyde isn't really the number one back in his backfield, is he? And I mean, last year he got he got booted for Nick Chubb. No, that was really just me trying to uh, put down Duke Johnson. But, uh, <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, saw right through that one. I, I might be wrong. I might be wrong about Josh Jacobs. If I'm wrong about him, I'll I'll try to pivot before I completely miss the bus. But a boy, a boy. I'm not I'm not super convinced after a two touchdown game. All right. Well, okay. We all kind of agree. Tyrell did decent, right? Jacobs did decent. They're worth. They should be owned. They're a good shot at starting and making making plays every week because, like Adam said, there's not a lot of other guys that are going to get the attention. And Waller, obviously. Um, we won't we won't stay on these Raiders too long because you guys hate the Raiders. I get it. Um, the other <laughs> Monday night game because you guys will like refuse to say anything good either way. Um, the other Monday night game, Deshaun Watson, fucking. Broke my heart when he didn't win that game. That play to Stills was so damn beautiful. I thought this dude pulled it off again. And then his defense fails him with like 37 seconds left. Breeze somehow wins the game for his team. That was the craziest game ever. And Monday night was pretty awesome. Monday night was pretty damn awesome from a fantasy perspective. And we almost did the podcast without those games, guys. That was a nice gut call for me right there, right? Give me credit. Fantastic call, Neil. Thank you. Fantastic Thank you. That's call. That's why I'm the and producer of this game. thing. I, I was so happy to see Will, Will Fuller doing Will Fuller. Things. Yeah, baby. Hopkins, they all did it, man. He, he was able to feed everybody. Is anybody surprised by that? Yeah, a little bit. I yeah. Mean, I was a little surprised. I love Deshaun Watson, but I was still a little surprised that all of them can get in the action like that and produce you know decent numbers at least. I was surprised. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I think, I think it seemed very um, – What's the word that I'm looking for? Like, that is, you know, a high-scoring, uh, high-point total kind of game that you're going to target for fantasy. It's the type of game that you expect the Houston playmakers to do well in. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins had a phenomenal game. But for guys like Will Fuller, I mean, he had a couple big plays. But outside of those couple big plays, he wasn't that productive for fantasy. Um, I think he scored under 10 pan- fantasy points even in PPR, if I remember correctly. I'll have it in front of me in like two seconds here. But I mean, and that's Will Fuller's like, game, right? Duke Johnson finished, I think, 
20th among PPR backs. So guys got touches. They got, you know, they got, I mean, to be fair, that's like where he was being drafted. So it's not even like a bad performance by any stretch of the imagination. Um, It's one of those things where, to me, it makes sense how the volume was divided up. But you're definitely going to see games where Hopkins doesn't get targeted to that high of a a total. And that's going to help guys like Will Fuller and and Duke Johnson have those blow-up games too. Yeah. So it's kind of like the best-case scenario of a well-rounded, spread-out, everyone gets shots at this, basically, type of game. That It's not always going to happen that way. Like, Hopkins may dominate games. Fuller and Stills may get action. And Hopkins doesn't do as much as we are, you know, used to, that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed the offense. I didn't think, you know, I didn't know if Stills would make an impact as quick as he did, I guess, but I shouldn't be surprised, I guess. It's Stills. He's a good player. But, um, I mean, it was really just the one catch. I don't, I don't even know if he takes, had any baby. other catches. That's all it takes. Building that trust with Watson. That's all it takes. Oh, I mean, I'm not, not disagreeing, but you know, he doesn't I, have that catch and it's an entirely different story, which is kind of crazy. I, okay. I guess he had three receptions. So he he was utilized to some extent. Yeah, but was, most of it was that touchdown. He was twenty second in air yards. He only had two receptions, according to what I'm looking at. Twenty second in air yards, hundred and eighteenth in targets. <laughs> so, there you go. Yeah, I mean that that really does illustrate the point, though, and that is kind of how Stills and Fuller will both be utilized in this offense, more likely than not, is as those big play threats. So. They're the kind of guys that I love in best ball. I love in DFS, but in my weekly lineup, they're uh, they're gonna have games like you know this past week where they don't necessarily uh, live up to to like expectation or anything that would be exciting for your fantasy team. And then on the other side of the ball, we have the Saints, who they're the ones who won the game, so we know they did pretty decent, halfway decent, obviously. You know, the guys that you expect on that side of the ball, Breeze, you know, did his thing. Kamara did what, you know, fantastic. He didn't get a touchdown, but just numbers, you know, just yards wise, he did great. Um, Latavius Murray stealing that damn touchdown, man. That's the kind of shit I do not like. Michael Thomas had over 100 yards. Some of the guys, it, it was funny, like for the Saints, the their, you know, their top offensive players, the guys who get drafted the highest, they had a lot of yards and a lot of receptions. They just didn't get the touchdowns. And then the guys who, you know, like the wide receiver is kind of still, you know, Thomas got no touchdowns. Kamara got no touchdowns. That Murray gets a touchdown. Hill gets a touchdown. Like, you know, it's kind of like, obviously that sucks in that sense. But I mean, they all still produced well, you know, your, your stud guys minus the touchdown. Right. I mean, any surprises there? Yeah. I mean, honestly, watching that game, I felt like Michael Thomas had a huge game, but then if you look at the stat line, it, it doesn't really map out the same way <laughs> at all. Uh, I was actually kind of really surprised by that. I mean, I guess it was probably just ultimately there were a lot of wide receivers that went off this week. So looking at it, Michael Thomas, I mean, he he had 22 PPR points and still finished wide receiver 17. So, I mean, that was a, that's a great game. I mean, especially, you know, all things considered, like you were saying, he didn't catch a touchdown. There were a lot of other guys that, scored touchdowns there that are kind of ancillary pieces but from what you see from just a volume perspective michael thomas looks like he's going to pick up right where he left off last year which is just i mean it's another thing kind of similar to what i was saying with the raiders that consolation of work is 
huge in these sort of offenses. And when you have a high-powered offense that has that, like with Saints, I mean, it's just, it's Thomas and it's Kamara constantly. Like, you just, you're going to lock them in your lineup all the time. If they're playing DFS and you're playing a short slate with only a few games, they're guys that you just have to lock in. Um, they're just that dominant. For sure. All right, so, I mean, that's that's Monday night. We're obviously not going to recap all the games like that, but Monday night was exciting. A lot of big fantasy players that we liked. A lot of people's games were on the line. A lot of people's DraftKings nights and DFS nights swung left and right as things were going crazy because both games were pretty exciting in that sense. So, yeah, it was a fun night of football. Um, let's go ahead and move over. Actually, I want to – hold on. Let's talk AB for a second really quick, guys. <laughs> we didn't talk about AB. Well, we talked about AB last week, Josh. We thought he was a Raider. And now he's a Patriot. See how quick that changed? I put that episode out, and like 10 minutes later, he was a Patriot. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? The timing on that sucked. <laughs> but it's all right. What do you guys think? I'm just curious because we I don't think we have AB really anywhere. Um, I, don't think, I don't know if we're really going to talk about him other than this. So let's just talk about him now. Um, AB, Patriots, Adam, I'll ask you first. How do you think this is going to play out? I, I honestly don't know if you saw because it, it was like a half hour ago, but I did post it in the chat. We have the other. Are you aware of what just happened with AB? I seen it. I did see it. Okay. I don't know so too much did, details. Okay. So you did see it. it. That would have been wild if you didn't. Um, <laughs> as the world probably knows as they're listening to this now, Antonio Brown has now been accused of multiple cases of sexual assault and rape, um, which is a super serious issue. Um and I don't want to speak lightly on that topic yeah. by addressing it from a football perspective, but unfortunately that's kind of the position that we're put in by providing content like this. Um, I think it's concerning. I think it's definitely concerning. Uh, if you have Antonio Brown, you're probably just sitting pat. So like from a fantasy perspective, I don't really think there's much you're doing. Um, if you have Antonio Brown at this point, I feel like you should probably just hold uh, there was a short window there where he was a Patriot and nothing bad had happened yet where you could have sold, but that's over now. Um, so I think you just hold, and if he plays, I mean, his upside's insane, but his downside is he might not play a single game this year. I mean, he really is like Melvin Gordon at this point, except for Melvin Gordon, I think we know at this point, isn't going to play uh, potentially the entire season. I have no idea what's going to happen with Antonio Brown at this point. I've never been more confused or flabbergasted by a situation and every single day it's something new now it's just it, it's so hard to predict and ultimately i think you just you hold in whatever position you're in if you don't have antonio brown you don't do anything if you have antonio brown you don't try and move him you just sit yeah and hope he plays uh, yeah it's it's a it's a mess and it's a sad sad situation at yeah this, point. this dude's arc has been crazy since week 16 or whatever of the nfl season last year to now it's like dude what else what can else can this dude go through at this point it's, it's just nuts and um josh i want to ask you if he does play right if, if this issue is you know just some alleged you know issue and it goes by because it's not real or it's made up or whatever the case is say he plays do you do you think that going to the patriots means he would have a better season or do you think it's a less productive season because there's so many other guys there no i think it's a better season, better season i think regardless. it's an upgrade for him i mean it's it i would expect the patriots offense to be better than the raiders i'm sorry neil but 
<laughs> no, no, I understand that, but I guess I just meant you know they got Gordon, they got Edelman, you know they got other guys yeah. that they're going to feed, and Brady so, and them guys have never been right. you no. know you know one I, guy focused. I guess is what I'm I understand to say. what you're saying. Yeah. So I wouldn't probably expect him to go to um, New England to get the same volume of targets, but I think that he could get a better quality of targets, more efficiency, gotcha. makes sense, probably more touchdowns. Makes sense. So I, I I would call New England an upgrade. Gotcha. Yeah, I he's such an unknown factor right now. Like if he if he does play with New England this year, and if there's no interruption in that where he doesn't play, I have no idea how he fits in that offense. And I I kind of hate how little I feel like I know because I wouldn't be surprised at all if he walked in there and dominated targets and had a similar target share to Julian Edelman. And I also would not be surprised at all if he becomes an ancillary piece where he's basically like third in targets on that team and is in a situation where, you know, he can have blow up games like Philip Dorsett just had or he can completely fade into the background. Like, I think the way the Patriots offense runs, it's just it's weird when you add these pieces in because they I mean. Antonio Brown could be like a queen chess piece for them. I mean, he could essentially be a player that they move all around the field and just use like they used Randy Moss back in the day, and everybody can cry over how dominant he is. Or it could be a situation where he comes in and is used kind of more like they used Josh Gordon, where they use him to push the ball downfield um, to kind of have those big plays, but they're not giving him a target share that would really um, warrant him being like an elite fantasy producer. He, I think he may not lead the team in targets there. That's possible, but I think he would lead the team in air yards. Yeah. I mean that, that ultimately is the debate. I think at this point is, will he be, you know, I think most likely is second in targets, second in air yards, uh, second in targets behind Edelman, second in air yards behind Josh Gordon. But I think that there's really a case to be made that, you know, he could potentially fit into a role where he dominates both those. And I think at this point, it's just, it's so hard to know. And there's so much off the field stuff with it. There's so many other factors that are non-football related that just complicate things even more. Like even just from a football perspective, it's confusing. Yeah. So it's a, uh, yeah, it's, it's a very difficult situation to try and untangle. Yeah, the Patriots situation does make it different because like we've even seen times where like Gronk would get ignored and he would basically just be a distraction. It felt like for other guys, and you know, like like you mentioned, Dorsett had two touchdowns, right? I mean, they're not going to stop doing stuff like that even if AB's there. Like it's just the way they operate. Like I just feel like they don't do that. I mean, Moss had that year, you know, where it was like it felt like he was the only thing doing anything. But I just feel like you know it's possible that there's games he goes for nothing. You know, it just seems like it's a Patriots. Hundred percent. Yeah. The Patriots game plan on offense harder than any team in the NFL. Yeah. They're always going to exploit the matchups that they have, and they're extremely good at it. And the more like all-star performers that they have on the offensive side of the football the more holes that they're going to find in your defense and the more ways that they're going to find to exploit them. But that doesn't mean that one player is ever going to get all of the focus. And the way that that offense is built for a player to get that level of focus, they basically have to be the Wes Welker, you know, Julian Edelman slot receiver who's going to get 120 catches on the year. 
or they have to be a dominant touchdown scorer. I, I feel like AB is a weird piece because he can be both those things and he could easily be neither of them. It's just... Uh, man, it, it's such a it's such a tough situation. Yeah, out. we're on the same page with that. It sounds like, all right, cool. All right, so we talked about the Raiders. We talked about the Texans, the Saints. We didn't say anything about the Broncos because there's no point. No. <laughs> uh, a B. We talked about. So let's just move over into our segments that we got lined up here. You guys put a lot of work into this. I see you guys helped out a lot this week. For those listening, man, these guys, the contribution could be high, it could be low. You never know. But these guys came through in the clutch today. Um, Week two players, we're going to do trust issues. We're going to talk about week two players um, and where they finished last week, right? So the first um, players we're going to talk about are QBs who finished outside the top 20 this week. Cam Newton, QB 34, and Baker Mayfield, QB 24. Josh, trust these guys or do you have trust issues? Yeah, I think I, I trust – so to start with Cam, I think the issue there was mostly just no touchdowns, right? Like Christian McCaffrey had two rushing touchdowns. It didn't look to me like Cam had a horrible game. Am I wrong about that? So, I don't think he had a horrible game, no. Yeah. And and then the Browns, the Browns I, – I had the Browns in my survivor pools. I thought they were going to win this, you know, at home against the Titans – uh, apparently the Titans defense, at least their front line, is pretty good. So Baker had a rough week, but next week against the Jets, I would expect him to bounce back and, and play a lot better. So I, I trust both of those guys going forward. I mean, OBJ out there flexing with that couple hundred thousand dollar watch, man. Need to perform. Need to perform. Baker needs to hit him out there, man. Adam, you agree with Josh? You, you trust both these guys because he trusts both of them. I, man, so Baker I'll start with because I think for me that was definitely the most shocking week one um, sort of catastrophe. Um, I think just as the fantasy community, there's a lot of people, including myself, that were very high on Cleveland coming into this year. Um, and just, I mean, if you watch that game, it was it was just a mess. I mean, and the... Worst part for me was at the end of the game when you need someone like Baker to um, kind of click into a second gear, if you will, and to really start putting the team on his back. The exact opposite happened. Uh, Baker was throwing interceptions. He was um, making unnecessary throws. It was one of those type of games where you watch it, and or where I watch it at least, and I sort of realized that a player that I thought was going to be just an all-pro is human. And I think that, for me at least, I realized, oh, I'm getting spoiled watching Patrick Mahomes play because I think that there are other people that are capable of that, and they're just not. I mean, I, I don't want to pivot too much, but I really had a thought this week watching Patrick Mahomes that, we could easily be watching the second season of the greatest quarterback of all time. And I don't want to like go crazy because it's still very early in his career, but just watching how effortless it is for him and then watching a QB that most people are comparing to him in an idea of having that sort of meteoric rise or that huge potential. 
and watching how much someone like Baker could struggle, um, it, it really just changed my perception entirely of a player like Mahomes. But uh, for Baker, I, I feel like you have to trust him moving forward because of where you drafted him. There's really – you don't get a choice. Um, Cam's kind of in that same situation. Like, based on where you drafted him, you're not at a point yet where you can start streaming quarterback. But where Baker – gives me hope because he has a willingness to push the ball downfield. And even though he's making poor decisions, he can learn from those. Cam kind of felt like the exact opposite. Um, I don't have the stat in front of me, but I did see a stat on Twitter regarding Cam having basically no throws of 20 or more yards downfield uh, in that first week. And that's something that we saw show up a lot at the end of last year. Um, there's was a lot of concern coming into this year around Cam Newton in regards to if he was going to be able to push the ball downfield. And week one only heightened those concerns for me. So as a player, Cam raises his floor dramatically with his rushing upside. But as a quarterback, I definitely have trust issues moving forward for Cam in regards to if he's going to actually be able to support guys like, you know, DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel to live up to the ADP that they were being drafted at, where both were basically top 30 wide receivers. Right. Yeah, yeah and- I, I definitely have concerns about Cam's weapons, like specifically Curtis Samuel. I don't like I don't think that if the Carolina Panthers continue as they were in week one, that he's going to be able to, to pan out. But but as far as Cam himself goes, like he's never been a, a high air yard kind of a player. You know, that's just not where his value comes from. Even even last year, I know he wasn't super healthy last year, but 22nd in air yards and still eighth in points per game. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I think this was a pretty typical Cam Newton game this week. He just got unlucky on not having any touchdowns. Yeah, and just to describe people, uh, Cam went for 239 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. Uh, Baker went for 285 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions. So, yeah, I mean, both under... Yeah, the other big part for Cam was negative two yards rushing, no rushing production at all. So, I mean, this is really like, this is a Cam Newton floor week for sure. Now, obviously, that kind of goes... I mean, that that goes without saying when you know that he was quarterback 34, but you're not going to have weeks like this for Cam very often. I feel like if you have another within the next four weeks, he's basically somebody that I feel like would just be droppable at that point and you start streaming quarterback. So hopefully it gets turned around quickly there. Yeah. Yeah, I've had high hopes for Cam coming into the season, and I think everybody did. Same with Baker. So it'll be unfortunate, but I think, yeah, obviously we can't overreact just like we can overreact to people playing too well, I guess. So, yeah, I I, I, I trust both. I don't, I don't want to get crazy about either one of them right away. But, uh, you know, if Cam runs a little more, scores a touchdown, we're probably not having this conversation. Baker, I don't know, man. Did he run into a tough defense? Is that all it was? Is it just guys trying to gel? I don't know, man. But, you know, we've seen better, I mean, much Tennessee better. Tennessee does have a really, really good defense. Yeah, they do. They I do. think they, they, they have kind a great of secondary, a really overlooked defense in a lot of words. And to be fair, both guys have great matchups this week to rebound yeah. on. I mean, Cam so, gets the Buccaneers. Granted, it's on a short week. Um, so we'll see how that impacts him. 
And then Baker gets the Jets, which, I mean, the Jets just – Josh Allen looked great on them in the second half. So I yeah. can only imagine what Baker could do if, you know, he plays up to his potential. Perfect. So if you guys got him, hang on to him. Let's see how we, how they do next week. Definitely expecting better weeks in week two. Uh, the next guys, week one, busts at running back. We got uh, Joe Mixon, who ended up at running back 50, and Devonta Freeman, who ended up at running back 51 right behind him. Adam, trust or trust issues with these gentlemen? Man, uh, I think I have trust issues with both. Uh, for Mixon, the trust issue is actually just injury-related. Um, I can't recall the exact injury. If you one of you guys know it offhand, I was going to look it up. I think it was a lower body injury. I can't remember the specifics on it. But it was a knee sprain or something like that. Okay, yeah, no, I'm almost positive it was a knee sprain now that you say that it uh, triggered my memory. But, yeah, the speculation at this point is that Mixon's going to be questionable all week. Um, so you're kind of going to have to check practice reports. If he starts missing time because of this knee issue, I think that, A, Giovanni Bernard is a phenomenal waiver ad. I think in his absence, especially with how that offense played last week and how shockingly pass heavy they were um i don't know if that's something that's going to continue if that was very game script related but when you let andy dalton throw the ball 50 times and he throws it for over 400 yards i i imagine giovanni bernard being extremely successful in a situation like that so um if geo's out there on your waiver wires i think he's a great speculative ad on the off chance that Mixon sits even a game um but yeah so injury related Mix it for me going forward. Definitely has trust issues. Definitely feel concerned. Freeman, non-trust issue related, literally just, I mean, that entire Atlanta offense looked inept. It, they basically are running into a situation where they're a team kind of like the Steelers now, where they have one playmaker, but that one playmaker shouldn't get shut down by just any defense. Like, if it's the Patriots, it's one thing. They constantly scheme to take away your best player, and they're very successful at that. With Atlanta, they just don't utilize Julio Jones like he's your best player. They just don't. They don't target him enough. They don't scheme him open enough. They just, they, that's how they've never, they've never really used him that way, and it's always been perplexing. Um, so Freeman had a great opportunity coming into the year, but he looked awful. That whole offense looked awful. And, um, I, yeah, I, I'm i really concerned. I'm concerned for the whole Atlanta Falcons offense moving forward. Maybe that's a week one overreaction. Um, but they were definitely one of the few teams that I was more or less excited about coming into the year that I felt definitely worried about. And, I mean, that Minnesota defense fantastic, so it could just be an overreaction. But, yeah, they looked pretty inept. Yeah, and, b- and before we move over to Josh's opinion on it, um, just so people have an idea, Devonta Freeman had 19 yards rushing, um, just 12 yards receiving, and then Mixon had 10 yards rushing and seven yards receiving. It's like numbers. If somebody projected those, you would have to say you had a zero percent chance of happening. You feel like so it's like just abysmal, you know, just just crazy low results from those two guys. Um, Josh, do you agree with Adam? Do you have trust issues on both of these guys, or do you feel a little differently about either one of them? I mean, we're going to have to watch the the injury situation with Joe Mixon, but if he's healthy, I I would trust him. Devonta Freeman, on the other hand, I don't see. I mean, he doesn't have an injury to lean on here, does he? Like, the, it was just 
it was just not good. He barely outsnapped Edo Smith. You know, it was. It's just not looking good for Devonta Freeman. Big time trust issues. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. Um, I think I think we all agree on this as far as Mixon's injury, and then just kind of concerned about Freeman. Period. I mean, if we think about it, like last year, I mean, he was injured, right? So he didn't do anything last year, basically, right? He was injured. But I mean, are right. we seeing are we seeing the decline of Devonta Freeman at this point? Because even in 2017, it wasn't like a great year either. Do you, do you guys think like it's kind of it's kind of over? Yeah, I mean, Edo Smith was one of my most owned running backs in best ball, so I was I was out on him coming into the year. Freeman had two great just, seasons. It was fifteen and sixteen, and since then we haven't yeah. had anything like remarkable. You know, age and injuries hit running backs so hard, and it's such it's a position where even just as a young performer, you can really stand out. So I mean. It, it's just one of those positions where I feel like you can get passed over really easily. And I, I would not be surprised if before midseason, Freeman is just not utilized enough in that offense to make him fantasy relevant. And this is where I like to call back to Adam saying any starting running back in a league has value. <laughs> Tell on Josh Jacobs, like, hey, you start a running back in the NFL. Can't be bad. Well, Freeman is a case in point against what you're saying, man. It's just... Doesn't look good, man. I think if you haven't given up on Freeman yet, I think he probably should. And that's not to say he won't have any good games, but I mean, how how many years are we gonna wait for one? I, I'm not gonna. I definitely bail on him at this point. I don't have any shares of him, but I would bail if I did. If I mean, not that you can at this point, really, but it is what it is. Um, next one and the last one for the trust issue segment is uh, wide receivers who just went off. They went crazy, man. We got Watkins. Who is wide receiver one, which I think that one probably surprises me more than anything because Lord knows I didn't expect that from Watkins. And uh, Deshaun Jackson, wide receiver three. Both of these guys are surprising for where they stayed at, I mean, where they ended up being at. But uh, I don't think we're surprised that they had big games, but the size of the game that they had that as, you know, being top of the top three wide receivers in the NFL this week is surprising regardless for these two. Um, Josh. Uh, you got trust issues with these guys, or do you have trust in these two going forward? For week uh, two? So Sammy Watkins, I, I think I trust. I mean, I don't trust him to score three touchdowns every week, but he was 10th in targets, 26th in air yards on the week. So that's pretty sustainable production. You know, he, he had a spike week even on that much volume, but I, I don't see a big reason to, to question what is happening there and then with with Deshaun Jackson I mean this is kind of the the narrative we heard all offseason right was give Carson Wentz a weapon like this and it, it's going to be bananas so you know Deshaun Jackson was 15th in targets ninth in air yards nine top 10 in air yards was Deshaun Jackson I mean and this wasn't a, a two a two catch bomb type of a game eight receptions so I trust both of them. Yeah. Now, I'm with you. I do trust both of them. I'm sure both of you will be happy that Watkins plays the Raiders next week as well. So that's probably a good thing to you guys. <laughs> Obviously not something I'm excited about. But, uh, yeah, I'm sure you guys are loving that. Adam, you uh, trust both these guys? Yeah, just to comment on what you just said, it, it's a game I'm really liking to stack in DFS. Um, but uh, that, that's besides the point. Just because I, I think the Raiders, especially with what they showed on Monday night, they could, in a game like that against a defense like Casey, put up 
pretty big numbers just based upon game script alone. But um, for both these guys, I mean, Watkins, that's, I would just, I loved watching that. That was just, that was everything I wanted. And my favorite part was that the majority of it happened before Tyreek Hill got injured. And then it's almost like Tyreek Hill hurt himself just to get off the field so that he didn't have to be shown up. It was crazy. But um, this is something that had happened in prior games that the two of them had played together. Uh, Watkins had out-targeted Tyreek Hill coming into this game in games they've played together. So to see what he was able to do before Watkins went out, just, I'm sorry, before Hill went out to see what Watkins was able to do, just really put me in a position where I was super excited. Um, obviously, this is a gigantic spike week. You're probably not going to see weeks like this again. But uh, I don't even know if I'm that confident in saying that because this is the one situation where I don't think that anything that we know about the game can really be considered. I mean, Patrick Mahomes struggled against the Jags last year. This year, at halftime, he was on pace to have the most or most passing yards in an NFL game ever to break a record that was set in the 1950s. I mean, what he does on the field is just astounding. And, I mean, he's having the potential right now to make Sammy Watkins what people believed he could be when he was drafted. And with how that offense functions, I mean... You're going to see big games from Travis Kelsey with Tyreek Hill out, but it's almost inevitable that you're going to see Sammy Watkins just have huge blow-up games. I think he's 100% must-start in your lineups. I mean, top 12 receiver every single week moving forward. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, on the other hand, I I honestly, I kind of hate that I didn't see this coming. I played him a little bit in DFS, but, like, he did this last year in week one. Like, he has a tendency to just have these huge blow-up games earlier in the year. And I think Carson Wentz, I mean, is just a perfect fit for him. Um, I think that he will be less consistent because of how many weapons are in that Philadelphia offense. And just, I think that they'll utilize those different weapons in different ways. And guys like Zach Ertz will have blow-up games where Deshaun Jackson won't. Um, But as far as, like, a guy that you throw in your lineup that could have these huge spike weeks, I mean... He definitely has that potential. And like Josh said, this came in a very different way than what most of us would expect. He had eight receptions. He was being targeted a ton. He is a huge, huge uh, factor in that offense moving forward. So I think these guys are both startable wide receivers moving forward. Watkins, to me, is a must-start. Gotcha. So, yeah, it seems like we trust all these guys. Does um, Tyreek Hill being out? Concern you at all for Watkins, Adam? Concern me at all. No. Yeah, losing Hill, does he think it brings a little more focus to Watkins and worries you at all, or you're good? Not on that offense, man. Gotcha. I mean, yeah, it's it's targets, it's touches, and Watkins' yeah. targets just went up. And right. be on that offense, that's... You know, I'll, you know, I'll keep my eyes Any on... Any increase in volume is fantastic. I'll, I'll continue to compare Tyrell Williams and Watkins the entire year because we did that trade. <laughs> so I'm going to be curious how those two finish up for sure. Um, all right, let's move over to rank them. We got a list of three players for us to rank and uh, in comparison to where they finished last week. Uh, we'll let Josh start off. Streamworthy quarterbacks. We got Mariota, who Josh is out on his nuts. 
And we got Dalton <laughs> QB 13 and Brissett QB 18 last week. So how do you rank these guys uh, for this week, Josh? Or just, I guess, period, however you feel about them. Okay. Um, I like Mariota going into next week. So if I'm not mistaken, the, the, the Titans will be playing the Colts in week two. And the, yeah, that's right. Last year, the, the Colts gave up the third most passing touchdowns. That's kind of how Mariota made his hay this week. It wasn't a ton of volume, a ton of yards. It was three touchdowns. Right. And so it, if he can continue to find the end zone like that, he, I think he'll you know, continue to be having QB1 weeks. So I would put Mariota first. Um, you know, and then on the other side of that coin, you've got Brissett facing the Titans, and we just saw what they did to Baker. So he he would be third for me. And uh, Dalton, Dalton looks like he might be okay without AJ Green. So he's he's in the middle, second place. For the exact same reasons you listed, I 100% agree with you, Adam. Do you have the same exact take, or you feel a little differently? Oh man, I'm shocked that you agree with them. I, do. I didn't. I. I do. Uh, I didn't. The, the defense, man, has got me off on Brissett. <laughs> Otherwise, I would put Brissett in front of Mariota, but I'm concerned about the defense. Yeah, I mean, you guys are both wrong, but this is interesting. <laughs> so you say um, Brissett? I mean, no, no, it's okay. Andy Dalton, and it's, okay. it's not. It's not particularly close. Um, Andy Dalton is a quarterback that we have seen have a phenomenal fantasy season before uh he's a guy who's produced multiple spike weeks and really more than anything he's someone who can actually produce fantasy points it's it kind of makes my head hurt um marcus mariota had a really a better fantasy performance but he did it on the back of three touchdowns um something he's not going to do very often and the way that offense functions, they're going to be looking to use Derrick Henry more and more as the season wears on. It's only going to become more apparent to them how talented that kid is, and it's just going to decrease the amount that they utilize Mariota, in my opinion. And Andy Dalton showed without A.J. Green that he can throw for 400 yards, which definitely didn't see coming. Uh, I've always liked Andy Dalton, but this performance really shocked me. Um if if Ross ends up being like an actual asset, when AJ Green comes back, that that offense is going to be stacked. And Dalton has all the right pieces in place. That offense seems like it's clicking. I I really like his potential going forward. So for me, it would be Dalton, then Mariota, and Brissett. Pretty much an afterthought. That's fair. That makes sense. I mean, I have a tough time trusting Dalton for some reason. I don't know what it is. Um, Everybody not, does. It's yeah. so interesting. Maybe it's because he's been awful. <laughs> <laughs> that could be it. That could be it. But, I mean, these are the type of quarterbacks that I love. I mean, we don't plan to talk about them, so I'll just throw them in here. But, I mean, that's that's Mitchell Trubisky in a nutshell. Like, he's the same type of player as Dalton. Like, he'll have some crazy weeks this year, but how can you ever trust a quarterback like that? It's, it's very difficult. So Dalton obviously could face plant. I, I definitely see that as a possibility, but he's the only one of these three that has had consistent spike weeks. And that's what I look for. You are on lonely Dalton Island by yourself, my friend. 
right. Can I just can I just say yeah. real quick, like I I don't know exactly why it is, but I'm so in on John Ross this week. I want, I, I want him. I think I think it's for real, man. I'm buying it. I thought it was real this, last year, but then he like just fucking disappeared, man. Like went away. Like I had him in a lot of leagues last year. I think I saw him in some leagues, but I, like just kind of haven't had a lot of faith in him after that. But I mean, last year he did that too, where he flashed for a little while and you know had seven touchdowns, like with barely any yards. But like you know, it just stopped. This was obviously a much better game than even last. I mean, last year, you know, I think he only had like two hundred receiving yards, but. He had like seven touchdowns. It was like some ridiculous number. And I just thought, hey, the guy's making plays. We can't ignore it. And it just stopped. And so, I mean, will he say, you know, will it keep happening? You know, you got to mention AJ Green coming back. If Mixon's healthy, I mean, will it continue at this rate? Or, you know, can he continue to be effective? We'll see. You know, Tyler Boyd's got to get his. We'll see. But it is fun when you get guys like that who flash and you're like, can he do it? Can he stay consistent? Can he keep happening? (laughs) You know what I mean? So we'll see. We'll see, but it, in my in my deep leagues where John Ross is available, I'm like all in on him. Oh, on for fact. sure, for sure, hundred percent. Yeah, um, one thing that I did think was really interesting is all of the wide receivers that kind of broke out out of nowhere this week were all those super speed downfield wide receivers, and speed really seems to be like the main focus of where the NFL is going. And I don't know how much that's going to shift as the year moves on and it gets colder and you have to deal with all those, you know, environmental changes. But as far as early in the year or dome games and stuff, I mean, the the speed on some of these teams and the way in which they're utilizing speed, just it it's really interesting. And I, I definitely think it's something to watch going forward and a good way to kind of identify potential breakouts on a game-to-game basis is to really focus on those guys that can utilize speed to, to have huge, you know, spike week games. For sure. All right, moving on to the disappointing tight ends. We have O.J. Howard at tight end 25. We have Hunter Henry at tight end 16. And Vance McDonald, a lot of your darlings, tight end 21. Adam, how do we rank these bad boys? Yeah, um, I honestly think I got O.J. Howard last. And I think that might be kind of crazy to say, but between the Buccaneers offense not looking right at all, uh, Jameis Winston not looking like he can support that many, you know, offensive weapons, which is something I was super skeptical of coming into this year. Really, week one made me feel just that much more skeptical. And then, dude is in love with Cameron Bray. I don't know why people haven't realized <laughs> this. Like, they they legit have this, like, mind meld where anytime they're on the field together, that's the tight end that Winston's going to target. O.J. Howard is going to, like, lose red zone targets to Cameron Bray. It's going to happen. So... For me, I think I've got O.J. Howard last in this group. Um, it, I mean, it's really tough for me between him and Vance McDonald. I think Hunter Henry's going to continue to get worked into that offense more. Uh, I mean, Austin Eckler just got an insane amount of work this first week. And I think that, you know, in games that require them to pass even more, uh, he's definitely going to have a larger and larger role, especially, you know, if they face matchups where they – you know, use blanket coverage to, to double cover Keenan Allen, um, which is something that wasn't done in this game. And 
something that allowed Keenan Allen to have a Keenan Allen game where, you know, he gets eight catches and goes over 100 yards. So um, Hunter Henry for me feels like the most, the one I'm most confident in moving forward. And OJ Howard feels like the one that I'm least confident in. Vance McDonald, I think just, they've got to target him. They have to, they have to utilize him. If they don't, they're going to struggle as an offense. So I'm hoping the Steelers realize that because he's the second best pass catcher on that offense potentially. And they, they really need to utilize him as such because Dante Moncrief ain't it. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Hunter Henry is number one. Vance McDonald and O.J. Howard, I feel like they're kind of close, man. Vance went for like 40 yards last week. Howard went for 32. Howard had two more receptions. Um, I don't know, man. The Steelers look really bad, but they also played the Patriots. And if you feel like, you know, how how, how much can you really, you know, how bad are they really? Are they really three points kind of bad? <laughs> or the Patriots just that good at game planning for them? You know what I mean? So I feel like they're super close. I don't even know if you could just put them as a tie. <laughs> but I think Hunter Henry goes first and then flip a coin on McDonald or Howard. Uh, do you feel any more strongly than that, Josh, on either one of those guys? No, I, I've got Henry ahead. And then I, I just think O.J. Howard is a better talent than Vance McDonald, yeah. and I would have him ahead. Just, you know, long run. The, the most really. important thing is that Hunter Henry continues to just be on the field and keeps Mike Williams from catching touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> that's stick, that's all I really to the care things about. That matter. <laughs> and so week one, mission accomplished. <laughs> this guy. And who's better than all of them? Darren Waller. That's who. That's who's yeah. better. Who didn't get drafted over any of those guys, but it's all right. Cool. You know, I really thought Darren Waller had a bigger game than he did. I mean, he started out that game like a, like he was shot out of a cannon. He was being targeted like constantly. He looked like he looked like Kittle out there, honestly. Like he that just was needed the a touchdown. He just needed a touchdown, Adam. And then he finishes tight end seven, which is like it's fine, but like he seemed like he was gonna have a top three tight end week the way he was going. Give him a touchdown, and you wouldn't be saying that, man. He had seven receptions, 70 yards. Just give him a touchdown. That's true. I mean, to be fair, if it was just a touchdown, he still would have finished outside the top five. But Whatever. Whatever. All right, the running back. Oh, I'm sorry. He would have finished, he would have finished fifth. Make you feel better. <laughs> Damn, top five, baby. All right, derailed hype trains. Running backs, Montgomery. Somebody called it. Josh, me. Oh, that's right. Montgomery, running back 44. on Johnson, the hype was strong with him, running back 34. And Aaron Jones, running back 46. Man, these are guys who had a ton of hype behind them. All three of these guys were moving. Their trains were moving. Josh, how do you rank these three gentlemen moving forward for week two? Uh, okay, so moving forward, I would put on Johnson first. I, th- I think that he's at least got the best hold on his backfield. With you know, I mean, C.J. Anderson is there, and he got 11 carries, and that's not good. But I feel like Carrion has a-, a chance, more of a chance to become the the, the workhorse there. I, with Montgomery, he's got Cohen, he's got Mike Davis. You know, Mike Davis is not only running but catching the ball too. I just you know, long term, I think Montgomery could be a good talent, but I don't. I, I think he's just going to have like an RB three rookie year. 
which happens a lot. Yep. You know, it doesn't mean he's bad. No. And then the Aaron Jones thing, I'm just, I don't know, I'm getting pretty discouraged about the, the Packers figuring out that he should be featured. It's it's beginning to look like, you know, this is, even though I think out of all three of them, Aaron Jones probably lost the the, the smallest percentage of, of a running back opportunity. You know, I think he had, 13 carries and I don't think anybody else had more than five or six but he still just didn't do a whole lot he didn't so. do a whole lot and when you seen Jamal Williams running you're like what is going on right now yeah <laughs> what is happening right yeah, now yeah he's <laughs> you just want Aaron Jones on the field in yeah. all in all situations and yeah. it just doesn't seem like it's ever gonna happen yeah for me I, I think you had I, I put carry on first too and I think I put Jones second just in hope that like the Packers get it and I'm not afraid of the, the guys behind them you know so like you kind of you kind of put them there in hopes that the Packers kind of get what's going on and what they should be doing, and like you said with Montgomery, obviously I'm big on you know Cohen also, so um, I'm I'm gonna have to put him third just because I feel like that's a bigger he has the biggest threat out of all three of these guys. You know if you want to say behind him, backing him up, however you want to call it, but he's Cohen's just gonna take work. Period. So um, I'm gonna put Montgomery last also, which you know coming into the season, I think you know every people would have put a lot of people put Montgomery first, and who knows maybe they still stick to that. Um, Adam, how do you feel about these three? Yeah, I mean, I think the three of us all kind of had the same perspective on Montgomery coming into the year, uh, which is that I just, I, I think that they're going to utilize Tariq Cohen too much and they're utilizing Mike Davis a bunch in that offense too. I mean, Montgomery only got seven touches. The thing is, if you watch the game, he's explosive, man. Mm -hmm. And he runs so hard. He, like, it's a weird thing because it's one of those things that, like, you hear said all the time about guys, but I, I, I actually believe it. And there's there's PFF stats to back that up as well as far as uh, his broken tackle rates. But I just – I think that they're going to continue to rotate the running backs there. I think Tariq Cohen is a better receiving back and will still get more touches in the receiving game there. Um, so for me, Montgomery automatically falls to third, and it's really a question of carry on Johnson versus Aaron Jones. And I, I was probably, I mean, I was definitely more in on Aaron Jones coming into this year, but say I was in the third round of my draft and I was looking at both of these two, it was a pretty tough decision for me coming into this year. Um, the things I'll say after week one, so carry on Johnson got 18 touches, Aaron Jones got 14. So they both got a decent amount of touches. Both did pretty much nothing from a fantasy perspective with them. Carryon Johnson did that against the Arizona Cardinals defense, which would probably be bottom five in the league. Aaron Jones had that against the Bears defense, which is probably going to be top five in the league. I think that, to me, is the deciding factor. Um, I think that in a different game script against defenses that are a better matchup, if... Aaron Jones sees 14 touches, it can be a completely different situation. Carry um, on Johnson, to me, I'm concerned now, even if he gets the volume, if he's going to really be fantasy relevant. Um, it could just be one bad game, uh, or it could be indicative of him just not being able to be as productive with more touches. Those things do happen. So, I don't know. Um, for me, I think, I think I'd put Aaron Jones first. Damn. Bold. What what I do I like about it. I mean, he's he is getting the the biggest slice, you know, out of the three of these guys on a on a good offense. Yeah. What what I like about 
week two approaching here and week two happening is that we can stop using the it's only one week narrative um, as we start to create patterns here. You know what I mean? Like that's what we're looking for because obviously, yeah. you know, I'm tired of hearing that. We're all tired of hearing that. And that's the excuse that literally everybody can use right now with every single player, with every single team. So like as these guys get their feet under them, you know, offenses find their ways, coaches do what they do, players do what they do. You know, we can start saying this is what he is and this is what they are rather than it's just one week. <laughs> um, so we'll see how this plays out. But, yeah, um, we're all kind of cl- – it's funny how we all came in on Montgomery that way coming into the season because I think we were in the minority on that, right? I mean, I think – Oh, for sure. The fantasy you know, community was really high on Montgomery. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he was going as high as the third round, but typically like the fourth round in fantasy drafts. To be fair, uh, both those guys were definitely going ahead of him in drafts, so I don't think it's that shocking that he still falls bottom of that. But I think you and I, or, or the three of us, I should say, I mean, we all had him below consensus, and I, I think that's held firm so yeah, far. Good stuff. All right, and the last rank them here, we have out of nowhere wide receivers. We have DJ Chark at wide receiver 10, John Ross, who we've spoken about already at wide receiver 3, and for wide receiver 12, we have Terry McLaurin, who some people may not even know who the hell that is. <laughs> uh, especially casual fans probably don't have a clue who he is. Um, so, yeah, uh, let's start with Adam this time. How do you rank these guys, Adam? It's funny you say that because Terry McLaurin is the first of this bunch for me. Um, he, he had a huge game. Um, there was actually a really interesting stat that I see flowing around Twitter. Uh, I can't remember how many years. I think it was the first time ever uh, is the stat. But it, I think it was the first time ever that five rookies have gone over 100 yards in their first NFL performance. Uh, and Terry McLaurin was one of them. It, 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 it's one of those situations where he has the potential to be the number one receiver in that offense. Uh, and especially with Jordan Reed constantly being banged up, and being really the only other potential target hog in that offense, I mean, he has real legitimate ceiling potential, even though he's on a bad offense. Uh, I think that he has the potential to really just get peppered with targets. He had like a 75-yard touchdown that he missed just barely, that if he caught, he would have had better numbers than John Ross this past week. So, like, he was literally one catch away from being exactly what John Ross was this week, and I think he's the only one that would be kind of on the same level on as this. Uh, DJ Chark, I I love. Uh, I've got him on a few dynasty teams. I had him coming into this year. Uh, he was somebody who I was thinking potentially could be the number one in Jacksonville, but everybody else was on D.D. Westbrook, and I kind of, as far as like best ball and redraft, kind of stuck to that idea. Uh, DJ Chark was kind of an afterthought. I mean, he wasn't even going really in best ball drafts. I, I got a couple 18th round shares of him, but really he was an afterthought even in best ball drafts for most of the year. For me, I mean, similar to Terry McLaurin, he's on another one of these offenses that coming into the year, we did not know how the pass catchers were going to shake out. So with him having this spike performance, I mean, there's a good possibility that that could continue forward. And especially with, uh, Nick Foles getting injured. There's there's tons of potential for the target share in that offense to kind of get turned on its head. And DJ Chark seems like somebody who could really be fantastic. So, like, to me, all these guys are waiver ads. They're all players you want to have on your team. But if I had to rank them, it would be McLaurin, Ross, and then Chark. Uh, Josh. 
you know, I think I think just because McLaurin is a rookie and he's doing this right away, I think he gets a little bit of a, a bump. So I, I like McLaurin a lot. But I, if you compare the profiles of John Ross and Terry McLaurin, John Ross ha, has a better profile. So I, I'm really I'm really torn between the two. And John Ross did have had the better game, although they were both great games. I, I don't. Uh, you can also that's compare a tough call those, at number one. You can compare D- those DJ player profiles at dot com, where you can also find Josh's articles. Good. <laughs> <laughs> DJ Chark strikes me as the three out of the three of these guys as the one who uh, might just be a flash in the pan. Might you know we might or it might just be inconsistent. I, I think the other two are guys I just really want. Yeah. I'm going to rank them Ross, Terry, Chark. And Chark for me is a couple of reasons why I rank him last. One, because of like we mentioned the quarterback situation, which we have no clue what's really going to happen there um, and how that's going to you know ultimately be on a game-to-game basis. But there's also a bunch of different wide receivers there that you know you feel like they could all have their days You know, at this point. Like, it almost feels like there's not going to be a dominant receiver there. Like one week is going to be you know, this guy's week, next day is this guy's week. You never know. Like There's no... I don't know. I just don't feel like he's a the dominant guy, like by a, you know, by a landslide or something that I feel comfortable, you know, trust him on a week to week basis. But, um, you know, we've seen Ross score before. We've seen Ross put up numbers. Um, and we Adam likes his quarterback. Um, so I, I would rank him, you know, Ross, Terry, Chark. That's where I'm going with this one. But they all can be productive the rest of the year. We'll see. All right. Um, I did ask you guys. We want, I want to start this new thing here where we're going to all give a player for the week that's upcoming that we feel is a can't-miss player. You can you can, you can can take the cheap way out and take a player who, you know, is just a consensus top guy at his position and just, you know, take the easy way out of this. Or you can go, you know, with a little more of a risky play. There's no rhyme or reason. There's no rules. You just pick a player that you feel like you feel confident telling anybody to start him this week and that you're not concerned of there being a flop. But we all know that. Anybody can flop on any week. Um, any team can play poorly any week out of nowhere. Um, so there's really no 100% guaranteed guy that's safe. We just talked about a bunch of guys who we have trust issues with um, that flop that nobody expected. So um, let's go ahead and do this. Do either one of you want to go first? Shows how confident we are in these. We are going to track these on a week-to-week basis. And at the end of the year, I'm just curious – you know, which one of us has the best, you know, percentage here, I guess, on, you know, making the right play. We'll go by whoever's player, you know, scores the most each week. And I guess, I mean, if we do, like, it's tough if you do, like, quarterbacks or something. Obviously, your player's going to score a lot. But we, we won't go by points. We'll just go, well, I guess if you go by points, even position if you do a quarterback. Finish. Yeah. So you guys want to stick to a position each week, or how do you want to do it? I think we should debate it the following week who had the best. Okay. So we can debate Be- it. Because I think, like, for instance, if I were to come out and I'm like, all right, I think Delvin Cook's going to have a huge, huge week. He's the lock of the week. But then Josh is like, I think Rex Burkhead is going to be the lock of the week. Like, those might not be quantifiable on the same scoring, but if Rex Burkhead ends up being a top 20 running back, is that going to be better than, you know, if Delvin Cook ends up having a top five week? Like, I, I don't, I mean, how, how are we going to quantify this? <laughs> I don't know. What do you guys think is the best way to quantify it? That's why I said I think we should debate it the following I, I, week. 
Yeah, Because I think there'll be weeks where it's, like, blatantly apparent, but there will be other weeks where it'll be fun to argue. We can leave it up to the Twitter judges. That's not a bad idea. Leave it up to the Twitters. We can leave it to Twitter and say, which player do you think had the biggest fantasy impact this week? And list the three players each week. Yeah, we can definitely do that when it's not blatantly obvious, which I have a (laughs) feeling that we're going to be some of these that end up being blatantly obvious. I'll go ahead and shoot my, my week two guy. Shoot your shot, Josh. Okay, DK Metcalf against the against the Steelers next week. Oof. All right, so, we're, shoot, we're shooting real shots. All right. I'm, I'm, <laughs> so, so the Steelers played the Patriots this week, right? We saw Philip Dorsett go go nuts, and and in week one also we saw DK Metcalf surprise everybody, right? Out target Tyler Lockett. I didn't see that coming, and so in the following week Metcalf gets to go and play the Steelers. I think that could be a big week for him. Shot fired. Shot fired, Adam. How do you respond to this? Oh, man. You don't All respond. Right. Well, no, I, I'm going to stick with the player that I was going to go with because I think that I, I felt like it wasn't a big enough call, but he, I mean, he was irrelevant this first week. Uh, it, Sony Michelle. Uh, I think that just from a game script perspective alone, New England's going to destroy Miami in the first half of that game. Like, it's it's not even going to be close. Um, and I think that based on just the way that game's set to play out, if Sony Michelle is going to be relevant this year, he has to be in a game like this. Um, or else, I think, for at least the first half of the year, the rest of the first half of the year, he's unstartable. Until it gets so cold that all New England's going to do is run. Um, but yeah, for me, Sony Michelle in this matchup, he's got to be the lock of the week. <laughs> he's got to be the lock of the week. I really don't know where to go with this, man. Because I'm setting you up for clips, Neil. This is what I do. <laughs> he's got to be the lock of the week, right? Yeah, that's definitely getting chopped up. I, I honestly, I don't know where to go with this because you went running back, Joshua wide receiver. I don't know where to go with this, man. I'm trying to think about these Twitter so, people. So let me get just, this straight. Just go Waller. You came up the with Chiefs. this idea. I was going to say Waller. I was going to say Waller. Both of us go first. <laughs> well, I was going to say Waller. Okay, I'm going to go with Waller. I'm going to stick with my guy originally because you guys confused me. We started right. throwing different rules in here. But I know Waller. I, I guess once we threw Twitter in here, I started thinking about fan favorites. And I'm like, no way a Raiders getting voted. <laughs> but I'm going to still go with it. So, all right. Darren Waller. I'm sticking with my guy. I called him way back. I'm going to stick with him this week against the Chiefs. I feel like. You know, Adam, you mentioned this game. You know, for the Raiders to compete, they have to put up points. Will they be able to do that against the Chiefs? I have no clue. I hope so. Will they be able to outshoot Mahomes? Probably not. <laughs> but if, I feel good about it. So I'm going to pick Darren if Waller. If Waller scores more points than Kels, I will not even argue with you about this. There we go. You'll, you will get the week one nod. There we go. You heard it, Dad. You heard that, Adam, right? I get Josh's Oh, vote. yeah. I, I mean, I – was so close to picking either Waller or Tyrell Williams. I'm not even joking. <laughs> you but mostly because I just thought you would have thought it was hilarious. But legitimately, I mean, this is a game that I'm going to be stacking a bunch in DFS. Um, it, I mean, how could you not? Uh, but ultimately, like I talked about at the beginning of all this, it, it's just a consolidation of targets thing, consolidation of touches for Oakland. They're going to use those three guys a ton. And I think they're just... Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great situation. Now, I hope he falls on his face because, you know, you're picking him. But. So so, so keep an eye on it, Twitter world. Metcalf, Sony Michelle. Sony Michelle? 
and Darren Waller. Sony Michelle. Sony Good Michelle. Grief. Jesus. It's all right. It's all right. We'll see how this plays out. This is going to be fun. He's either going to have three touchdowns or three carries. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's fine, right? That that may, It made perfect sense. He probably will have three touchdowns. I'll hate it's going to be... It's going to be three touchdowns or three carries. It's definitely only going to be one or the other. All right. Let's I move. should have said Rex Burkhead. <laughs> Let, let's, let's move over to foul or no foul. Got a couple of quick ones to knock at you guys before we close this bad boy out. I stayed in football. I stayed in fantasy pretty much, I think, this whole way here. So it's just a few of them. Uh, the first one, I don't think we talked about this guy at all today, but uh, the first statement, Malcolm Brown is a legit fantasy flex rest of the season. Foul or no foul, Adam. Man, no foul. Um, I think that the usage of Gurley is going to be pretty consistent. And honestly, I mean, people are shitting on it because they were overdrafting Gurley. But, like, he he put up 100 total yards. Like, if he falls in the end zone even once, that's a huge game. Like, I, I don't know. It to me it was one of those performances where everybody was overreacting to what was super obvious coming into the year he's not going to be a workhorse he can't it's not going to happen they're not going to run him into the ground like that he's going to get about 15 to 20 touches at most a week and he's still performing pretty great on those touches so um for me i think that if people are overreacting to Gurley, he's like a trade for but for brown he's going to be the other piece in that offense. It seems like I, maybe Henderson gets worked in more uh, as the year goes on. I, I kind of hope that's the case. He was something I was really high on in best ball. And I think with rookies, that's kind of something you just have to expect is that early in the year, they're just not going to be relevant and they're going to have to get worked in unless they're drafted really early and teams build around them. That's just what happens. They become more or less afterthoughts. So, um, Brown seems like the guy to be splitting. And in that offense, you, I mean, it's definitely a plug-and-play flex. Yeah. I'm with you, Adam. I'm going no foul. I think Sean McVay is going to handle this situation correctly. I don't think they're going to pressure Gurley at all with massive amounts of carries. It just makes no sense, like you said. Um, they played in, in the offseason, in the preseason. I know a lot of people don't put a lot of stock into it, but they didn't play Brown, I don't think, at all. Um and they let Henderson run a lot because I they already felt like you know Brown's their backup. He's their guy, so um, I'm I'm staying strong with it. Also, I think he is flex worthy. I didn't necessarily know if he would be coming into the season. I'm not gonna act like I was on the bandwagon the whole time or anything, but um, I think it's I think after one week it is safe to say that Brown um, is at least flex worthy in that offense, knowing that they're not gonna ever overwhelm Gurley with carries. Um, Josh, how do you feel? Foul or no foul? Hey, I don't love Malcolm Brown. I mean, he got. He got 11 carries, I think. He had no targets. They only targeted Gurley one time, but he did have the two touchdowns. And and Todd Gurley's role has led the NFL in touchdowns among RBs in over the last two seasons. So it's just it's the kind of running back I don't usually like to bet on. And I think his his role could diminish as the season goes on, right? What if they're just like trying to get Gurley to week six and then it's on? Calling foul? I, I don't know. You calling foul? Uh, you know he's he's flex level. Okay. But so no foul. I don't I don't love it. But you're him. not great about. It. You're not happy about it. You're not you don't feel super confident about it. But you still feel like you're yeah. using no foul. It's like undeniable that he is getting a good you know a decent amount of work in a very good offense. Yeah, that's fair. 
All right, so you're not as crazy about it. I mean, none of us are like super crazy about it, but like you said, I think that touchdown right. point is a, is an important point. Um, all right, next one. Redskins mismanaged their use of Darius Geis, which led to him being injured once again. Foul or no foul? Josh, you start. I think that's probably a foul. I don't think we know that. I mean, he, he you know had they infections back? right off the bat. Do they have a history of players not coming back from injury? I would. No, I would. I think. I think they're. I think it's Tampa Bay is the one that's always like had these weird situations with players getting sick and stuff. I think that was Tampa Bay. I, I might be mistaken on that, but there is one team that has kind of always had reports of that nature. I don't. I don't think it was Washington though. I'm not going to lie. Sitting Peterson bothered me. You guys know that. Sitting AP pissed me off a little bit. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so ironic now that they're going to have yep. to start him. I thought that was hilarious. And they're like, no, no, just a player. You know, we needed a special teams player or something. So we had. A, I'm like, what kind of excuse is that? Like, you can't possibly think much of the dude if you benched him for whatever the reason was. Like, and now you're stuck with him. So it's like, yeah, I think they're getting a little karma here for trying to out be, a, you know, be cute with the running back. I think they, I think they're getting a little bit of karma, but so I, I, I'm definitely calling no foul on this. But Josh says foul, right? You feel like they did alright? Yeah, they I don't think it's wrong? right to put that on the Redskins. Yeah, right. I'm putting them on the Redskins. Adam, come on, what's up, man? Where you at? I mean, they would play. No, I, I don't understand how anyone could put this on the Redskins. Um, I don't know. I don't. I like. I, when injuries happen, I don't even know how much you can put on the player. Like, I think that there's to some extent. It has to do with, you know, how you're building muscle mass and, you know, what your flexibility is like and all that stuff. But injuries seem like a freak thing. Um, there's so many factors that go into play that, you know, I, I don't know. I don't really think anyone is, quote unquote, to blame. It's just it is what it is. If you played AP, guys, is not hurt. Just saying. Old man AP would have weathered the storm for them. <laughs> no, I just didn't like how they did AP, man. I don't know. I didn't like it. I wasn't a fan of it. So I'm saying no foul. But you guys disagree, and that's fine. All right, next one. This is <laughs> all right. Victory laps after one week are totally fine to take in fantasy. Foul or no foul, Adam? No foul, man. That's the, it's fun. <laughs> that's the whole yeah. point of this game. What are we doing? Just have fun. Listen, man. Just- you know what the, the Sunday was one of the most fun days for me, and Monday was even more fun. Like, just have fun with it. it. Being right or wrong, like that's that's all we're doing here is we're playing a game where we're hoping that our predictions that we make before the year are right. And I think that people like it. I don't know. It really, it's just on both sides of the coin. Let's be honest. Like, if you had a good week one you're probably like yeah everybody should just have fun with it and you know react however you want and if you didn't you're like oh people need to stop overreacting (laughs) it's not a big deal so josh man they're trying they're trying to stop our our trains here man we try to get this i'm I'm fine with it i'm fine with the week one victory laps i love i like i have no marquise brown anywhere and it's still more fun because he did what he did exactly People just want to oh. rain on parades, man. They want to rain on. I have so many Lamar, Marquise Brown baseball stacks. It makes me so happy. <laughs> so many. Stacks. I don't really know that that'll continue, but it made me happy for one week. There it's you the same have thing it. with all that Sammy Watkins ownership. Like, 
but now with the Tyreek Hill injury, that might actually sustain. We shall see, but there you have it. Victory laps are okay. Get your victory laps off, fellas and ladies. Anyone who needs a victory lap, you take it. And the last one is Adam got his first and last first place in DraftKings GPP ever. Fowler, no Fowler. That's cold, man. Dude, that's just mean. That, what? Not even I'm, wanting me to make more money. Listen, I'm just trying to shed light on your beautiful champion, your championship here, nah, your win. It's okay, Neil. How I know. much did you Envy win, Adam? Tell is us. one of those things that's hard for me, too. Adam, I understand Adam, it can come out in weird ways. Tell you know, us how much you won. Express yourself in whatever need you, you feel at the moment. I just want you to be able to cope with this. Adam, I'm trying to give you a victory lap, man. Take your Yeah, I mean, it was, it, was pretty, it was pretty damn cool. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I took down my first GPP. I mean, it was just a single entry um, GPP, uh, but it, it, it was really awesome um, to be able to do that in week one. Just kind of makes me excited to play DFS for the year. Um, so that That's really cool. Uh, it also probably bankrolls me for basically the entire year, uh, which is really awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, the biggest things that I would say just for people who are new to DFS or thinking about playing, you know, stick to things where you can max entry them. Um, if you're someone who can only play the lowest of buy-ins, then play the lowest of buy-ins and only play single entry tournaments where you're only putting one lineup in and so is everybody else. Um, I think that until you can invest a good amount of money, you should not be playing in tournaments that are multi-entry. Um, I think that if you don't max enter tournaments, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage uh, because you cannot differentiate your lineups enough. Um, the other big thing that I would say is if you are going to put like 50 to $100 in um, to DFS in a week, to not put it in you know two or three lineups, but to attempt to spread that out across, you know, eight to 10 single entry lineups, if not more than, uh, and then allow yourself to differentiate amongst those single entry lineups like you would do amongst the same lineups in a GPP. Um, so to have a lot of similar players, but to differentiate them slightly to give yourself different variations. So if your core players hit, then you have all these variations throughout single entry tournaments. So you still are able to vary your lineups and get low owned players in your single entry teams. Um, but also not expose yourself um, to more variants. So that's my DFS corner of the week. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it was a really cool experience, and, and definitely for, for people who are interested out there. Um, I mean, we've already had guys uh, on the show, uh, Elliot Chris and, and Connor Allen, uh, who do work over at uh, the Quant Edge. I highly recommend their subscription. Uh, definitely check it out. They produce fantastic content. Um, if you're skeptical at all or just interested, I tweeted it out and I'll say it again. They, if you provide an email, they will give you three free articles. Those three free articles, in my opinion, taught me a ton about how to build groups and how to identify situations where players can have fantasy success but are going to be low owned. Uh, and I think those things are gigantic for being successful at DFS. So I highly recommend the Quant Edge. I definitely think you guys should check it out. Um, if for no other reason than it's literally free. And for me, it 
it definitely helped in, in making my DFS game a lot better. Look at these recommendations. You guys are awesome. Player profiler, Quant Edge. Just giving them out, man. It's all good for good friends of ours, man. All good sources for information. And no, for real, congratulations on the win, Adam. I do have one question for you about it. When you win like that, right? Where you win like the biggest ever that you've ever won. Does it ever, does it give you any urge to spend more than you ever spent? Like play one bigger than you've ever played? Um, yes and no. I, I'll say this. So I mean, I've played poker for years, and I've had much bigger wins in poker than I did for this. So like, from a money win standpoint, it was really cool, but it wasn't like, oh my god, this is an insane amount of money. Like I'm gonna go. Like, I'm going to be super successful now, so I'm going to invest all my money back into this. No, it was pretty much like, okay, I've got a credit card I need to pay off, so I'm going to pay that off, and then I'm going to put the rest of it back into DFS, and I'm going to plan to spread it out over, you know, a good chunk of time so that I'm not over-investing myself. I mean, it's like I said, I, I for this upcoming weekend slate, I'm probably just going to play all the single entry and all the three max that are, like, under 20 bucks or so. And then I'm going to play a couple 50-50s as well. Because um, I think that 50-50s, same thing. Uh, do single entry 50-50s. The last thing that you want is to put your one lineup into a single entry or into a 50-50 that's non-single entry. And you get somebody who is submitting 150 of the same lineup in. Because if that lineup hits and is better than your lineup, you're getting pushed out 150 spots just because they've stuck 150 of the same lineup in there. Um, which a lot of DFS pros do. It's just, it makes sense for them. Um, so, you know, pay attention to those sort of things. But yeah, I mean, that's that's what it is for me. Like, I'm going gotcha. to put it back into DFS and I'm going to hope to continue to have success. Um, you know, when you when you win a GPP, that's, that's awesome. But ultimately, being able to churn out a profit each week is going to be way more important. So gotcha. hopefully I can do that as the year goes on. Awesome. All right, guys, let's go ahead and close this bad boy out. If you have a show and tell, now is the time we do it. I don't have an item or anything to recommend today or a podcast or an album. I will say go out there and say or do something nice for someone today, tomorrow, whenever you're listening. Just some random person, man. Just some random. Yo, I was I was out and about. I bumped into somebody and I just had a small conversation with them. I didn't even know them. And then, like, as we're walking away, the person says to me, just remember, you matter. And I don't know why, man, but I was like, damn, that's really nice to this person. You know, to just kindly hit me with this, you know, little uh, reminder that we all matter. And I was like, damn, that kind of felt good. I do matter. <laughs> so, like, that's, yeah, man. Like, those little random awesome. things. Yeah, those little random things. Like, you never know how someone's feeling that day or feeling that week or feeling that year or whatever. You may just lift their spirit for the day, and that's all that matters, right? And they lift somebody else's spirit and it just kind of continues. But, yeah, I just random person in passing had a quick conversation or whatever and they just said just remember you matter have a good day and i was like damn right, i do matter so yeah it felt good so just if you have a second just make someone feel good today or whenever you're listening to this make someone feel good a random compliment is all it takes that's what i got today josh adam either one of you have anything that's awesome actually i kind of want to piggyback on that it wasn't even my thing but this happened to me today and honestly like this is going to be a little uh I guess a little revealing to my own psyche, but uh, I, I didn't really have like a random act of kindness. I was walking down the street of Chicago and I had my headphones in and somebody stopped me. And there's two things you can do. 
when somebody tries to stop you and you have headphones in, you can act like that never happened and just keep walking, um, which we've all done. Um, but this time I actually acknowledged the guy and took out my headphone and was like, hey, what's up? And he was like, hey, I, you know, I hate to do this, um, but can I borrow your phone? Uh, I just got to this place. My phone died and I need to call my friend. And my mind did two things. And this is the part where it's like I, I my heart just wants to be like, yeah, definitely. Like totally use my phone. My head was like, this guy has a bike right next to him and I'm <laughs> handing him a phone that's six hundred dollars. Yeah, it's gone. Yeah, and it was one of those things where I'm so glad that I did it because all the guy did is he just picked up the phone, called his friend, thanked me, handed it back, no big deal. But I kind of hate that, like, there's a part of my mind that goes, oh, man, this guy could run off with my phone. Right. <laughs> like, yep. I, I I hate that there's that part of me. And honestly, like, maybe that's why those type of things don't happen to me is because I'm alert and aware of the potential for something like that to occur. Um, but I don't know. How do you guys feel when you get caught in situations like that, where it's like you want to do the right thing, but doing the right thing might put yourself in some sort of risk, like not even a big risk. Like it would be losing a cell phone, which would suck. Obviously it's a couple hundred dollars out the drain, but like in the grand scheme of things, it could be a lot worse. But do you guys understand where I'm coming from? Absolutely. Like, would you have a similar thought process in those moments? For sure. Yeah, I would be afraid to do it. I don't know that I would have done it. <laughs> what would you do? Would you just be like, oh, this phone? Oh, um, it doesn't make calls. <laughs> I don't know what I would You're do. so fast, though, I, Josh. Like, even if he took off. Yeah, Josh, like... would, he would just <laughs> ran. That's a good point. That's right. He won't get away from me. I should have done it just to show him how fast exactly. I was. Exactly. Unless, I mean, unless fair, it was you know who. This is a total city experience. Because, like, this happens in the city. Like, that's just, that's something you're going to run into. People are going to stop you to try and talk to you all the time. And it can be for a number of things from, yeah. you know, something like this where somebody has used your phone to somebody asking for money to literally anything. It's a very different environment than, you know, living in a suburb or living in the country where you're just, you're not really going to have that experience. Would it be super weird to be like, I'm going to hold the phone? You tell me the numbers to push. You can talk I'll into. Put, I'll put it on speakerphone. Like I'll put it on speakerphone. <laughs> that like is a, that is no point. Just you holding picture yourself doing that and the absurdity to it, where you're it like, isn't. "I'm gonna hold the phone. I'm gonna put you on speaker. I'm gonna hear both sides of this conversation. Now let me dial. I don't trust you to press the buttons. This is me doing a common courtesy to my fellow man." Okay, it's ringing. <laughs> I think you I might have done that. You hold it next to their ear. Josh did it. Yeah, no, exactly. you're not, you're not allowed it. to touch it. Exactly. Josh definitely did it. He did that for sure. Oh, my God. Just remember, Josh, you matter, man. You matter. You know, you know, what, you know what's not as bad as that? Losing your phone forever. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's not, it's not that bad. I... I would love to have that story over the story that I could not trust a fellow human being enough to hold my phone. <laughs> so I like to make a phone call by holding it for them. Oh, Josh. I mean, oh, to be man. fair, if they really need to make that phone call, they're going to take that offer, Josh. So yeah, just hedging your, <laughs> you're just hedging your bets. I respect it. You're like, you really want this oh. phone call or no, man? It's up to you. 
It's up to you. Your call. Get it? Oh, brumpons. Anyway, honestly, like that feels like it could be a comedy sketch, like a, a like almost like a Borat esque thing. Like just walk on the streets of Chicago until somebody asks to use your phone and be like, yeah, 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 sure. Like, who do you need to call? <laughs> Then just like hold it in front of them and just be like, yeah, just just let me know like what what numbers you need me to press. That would be like <laughs> super awkward talking into a phone that somebody else is holding. You're like, just talking. hold it up. Don't put it on speaker. Just hold it up to their ear for them. <laughs> then just slowly rub the top of their back. Let's <laughs> not talking about Josh's life now. Josh, do you have anything to uh, tell us or show us or anything, man? You know, one thing I was re- I've was i been really happy about after week one, um, and I doubt that I'm going to really help him much by shouting him out on, on <laughs> you know, th- this podcast compared to his, but Peter Howard's Patreon page is such a good value. Like, every week he's putting out a DFS sheet to help you with lineups. He's putting out just so much good stuff. It's such a good value for, like, you know, four bucks a, a month. It's ridiculous. Damn, four dollars a month is a good I just, price. I appreciate it. You know, like I'm not—he's saving me money. Yeah. Does anybody else? Does any other podcast give as much love as we give? We've shouted <laughs> so many people out today. I love it, man. Because guess what? Those websites matter, man. They matter. Quant Edge, Player yeah. Profiler, Peter Howard, Adam, Josh me this is a great episode man positivity all around this is great well that's all we have for today i have nothing else do you guys have anything else no 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 you can find adam at the strip club oh, i'm sorry at at the other ff guy josh is at jc crocker i am at clock dodgers josh has articles on player profiler fucking hit his pin tweet turn on your alerts do something Adam, I don't know what he's doing anymore. He's, everything we say, he says we're lying. So at this point, we don't know what's real and what's fake. And go to cloudnighters.com, subscribe to the podcast. We love you guys. Appreciate it. As always, be kind, be great. Keep dodging. Keep dodging. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.